Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day. Hey, Chicago. I'm just Ken. I mean, I'm Justin Bull in for Aaron Allen. And this is The Rundown. Greta Gerwig's Barbie had a record-setting opening weekend last month. Between the movie and its over-the-top marketing campaign, we all have pink on the mind. Then the team at The Rundown heard about a new Barbie-inspired exhibit on the north side of Chicago that centered around Chicago's LGBTQ plus community. And we had to learn more. The Gerber Hart Library and Archives are located in the Howard Brown Health Clark Building. And since 1981, the library has been archiving and preserving artifacts of LGBTQ history in Chicago and the Midwest. And then a few months ago, a volunteer archivist named Olivia de Kaiser came across two dolls stashed away in the collection. A Rosie O'Donnell Barbie doll. And we also had a Billy doll, which is a doll from the late 90s that is the first out and proud gay dolls. We have a very stocky gentleman. Um, And seeing these two while doing some work back there, coupled with the hype for the Barbie movie, I thought that there might be something fun there that we could explore dolls and play and tie it into the, the commercialization of the movie as well. The resulting exhibit is called A Dream House of Our Own, an examination of dolls, play, and queer identity. A few days ago, Aaron spoke with Olivia, who curated the exhibit, and Ren Lively, the photographer and supporting artist for the exhibit. They talk about Barbie and the relationship between gender and sexuality as they played with dolls growing up. But Olivia begins by explaining that the exhibit exists because of the donations and stories from people in the community. I wanted to create a display that would highlight the voices of the Chicago queer community. And I thought that reflecting again on my own experiences playing with toys as a child and my experiences, um, I was an educator for elementary school for quite some time as well, observing the way that children play and explore the world with play. Mm. um, And also, again, reflecting on our queer identities as adults and how sometimes the way that we explore the world through play can become quite indicative of our um, adult selves as well. So knowing that sometimes our relationship with toys, with playing, feeling encouraged to play with certain toys or discouraged to play in certain ways, all shapes our adult identities. I wanted to hear the voices of the Chicago community themselves and then build the exhibit around that. So like I said, we just started with two dolls, but the real heart and soul of this exhibit and all these projects that we have going on are the stories that we created a survey for and just asked very simply, um, how did playing with dolls growing up um, impact your adult identities? And we left that pretty open because we wanted um, a variety of responses. And so then with that survey, um, people came forward. That's actually how I met Ren because Ren actually emailed me with some (laughs) saying that she had some materials that she might want to loan for our exhibit. And that was really the start of a really beautiful, not just a working relationship, but I feel like a friendship as well. So it's been really great. We're not just building a dream house. We're building friendships. (laughs) I love it. Ren, um, yeah. When you saw that call out, tell me what really got you inspired to get involved with the exhibit. Yeah, I a friend had sent it to me because I honestly didn't follow much about Gerber Hart like prior to like okay. I had gone to a couple book sales, um, and I was like, 
yeah, I'm really loving Barbie right now. Like, this is great. Like, I really want to like be able to help this queer archive in any way that I can. Yeah. Um, and I also had a huge box of Barbies that I needed to donate somewhere <laughs> anyway. So I was like, perfect. Yeah. Um, and it just kind of became like a really great way for me to be able to express myself and kind of help others with my art. So it just kind of spiraled into something a lot bigger than just me donating what extra dolls I had. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to get into some of those stories. Um, as you said, Olivia, um, gender and sexuality norms just play such a huge role in how we play. Um, I would love to hear from y'all. Um, Ren, what was your experience with toys as um, as a youngin? Um, growing up, I grew up with four sisters, and so Barbies everywhere, toys everywhere, um, kind of a small house, but we always had, like, a huge toy room yeah. of just, like, a space to play and, like, watch all the Barbie movies. My dad built us a huge wooden dollhouse, and I honestly, like, I don't, I have a really bad memory. And so I don't remember oh. much about how I did actually play. Okay. But like, I remember that dollhouse and every birthday, every Christmas, getting a doll and opening those dolls and like the process of like, carefully like snipping the packaging. I've always been more of like a collector than like an active player. Okay. But like, for me now, since I do actively collect dolls, it's almost like a way to express my femininity, because like, I don't really outwardly express it. Mm. Um, it's more in like, I would never wear this pink frilly dress, but I love to put it on the stall, you know? <laughs> yes. Yes. I love that. Um, yeah. It's like there, there are things within us that we don't necessarily put on our bodies, but that still need to come out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Olivia, what about you? Um, do you feel like there was a part of gender and sexuality that informed the type of play that you did when you were a kid? Oh, absolutely. Um, I remember, and I, and I'm not the only one who has admitted this, but giving Barbie the haircut that you always dreamed of having yourself. Oh, yes. Um, I was not allowed to have my hair cut short. And that was actually something that I did for myself during the pandemic was I did give myself the tomboy haircut of my dreams. Um, and I remember doing that and being like, this is exactly what I wanted when I was a child. But until I was allowed to do that for myself, um, that's what, what happened with my Barbies. They were the canvas for mm. the type of person that I dreamed like I could be. And that's really been the point of Barbie all along looking at the beautiful frilly dresses and I wanted to be a part of that world, but it was difficult for me to kind of break through that veil and see myself in those beautiful dresses myself. So mm. I gravitated towards, I actually really loved getting hand-me-down Barbies because I felt like it was more, they were already like broken in. Yes. So, <laughs> so it was okay if I colored on them or yes. cut, they gave them a haircut or put them in weird outfits. I remember always feeling like it wasn't fair that Barbie could wear Ken's clothes, but Ken couldn't fit in Barbie's mm. clothes. So even as a child, um, you know, of course, like you're going to, you want to dress up your dolls, you want to, they're fashion accessories, but they're also ways for you to model the world around you. And I just also remember feeling like I wasn't playing with them correctly. Mm. I remember feeling like, oh, I'm supposed to play house this way. There's a Barbie, there's a Ken, there's all the little play school dolls that are the kids but I never really like wanted that life for myself. So I found it difficult to be able to feel like I could freely play with them. So 
part of this project too is trying to see who else I can find. Like, this is how it felt for me. Did this feel this way for you too? Ren, this is a craft that you do, and you're making these handmade miniature like Barbie scenes. And it's just, you know, for your own personal enjoyment, I feel like as artists, we're often encouraged to do our passions out in public, try to, you know, commodify them and and get money. Um, But that is not necessarily a value for you. I wonder if you could talk about what it does for you to do this craft, whether anybody sees it or not. Yeah, for me, like I make a lot of little items and I even like design things online because I majored in graphic design. And so that's always been like a passion of mine, but that I don't want to pursue a career in really. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm constantly having my parents or even my sisters be like, you should like make an Etsy. You should sell this. <laughs> Just like any time that I share something that I've created, that's always someone's response. I asked that be a way question yesterday. <laughs> I asked, I was uh, like, do you ever do this commercially? Yeah. This is great. <laughs> Ren's work is incredible. Uh, no, it is. Thank you. Um, and so I feel like I'm like I'm always getting asked that, but it's, it really is just something that the joy that it brings me to be able to like put so much focus and like detail into something is more enough than money could ever be. Mm. Like it's just a way that I can kind of center my emotions, like my feelings even, and then just surround myself with that art. You know, there's a doll collecting community online and it's like great to share with them and like give ideas and like, it's just, just a way to make myself happy and that's enough. (laughs) Yeah. But also you, you, I imagine you save a lot of money because the work is DIY, right? And it's like recycled, Mm -hmm. upcycled objects, right? Absolutely. I try to, anything that I'm making, I try to make it as recycled as I can. If I can avoid like going to the craft store, like buying some expensive um, item that I need, I will. I've taken posters from work and like repurposed them. Um, A lot of different ways that I can (laughs) find workarounds or like using old containers as uh, furniture items. Yeah. Our dream house furniture is bespoke. (laughs) (laughs) yeah um let's let's get into the dream house um I know I I gotta was fortunate to to get like a sneak peek of everything um recently before the exhibit opens and um you know it's really hard to tell the difference between what Ren made with with (laughs) Ren's hands compared to what was purchased right and and placed um and already kind of manufactured so Ren you are really talented I see why people ask you you know if you if you want to go commercial with this um but I also appreciate so much that practice for for practice sake um and for personal (laughs) enjoyment um Olivia let's get into the centerpiece of the exhibit tell me about the dream house So we had this display case in the library and it's just a big glass case with like wooden sides. And I was like, okay, well, let's like think outside the box here. This Mm -hmm. isn't just a case. We can imagine this to be something else. This is a container. So what we've done is we have, um, my dear friend, Stephen Russell has designed the exterior of the dream house. So there are physical sides and a roof that is hand cut and hand tiled. It was a labor of love, (laughs) but it looks phenomenal. 
and we'll be affixing this exterior to the sides of the case. So the case becomes the dream house. And each shelf in the case is a different floor of our queer Barbie dream house. Again, this is a vehicle to showcase the stories that people submitted to us. So the scenes that are in each floor Mm -hmm. of the dream house are in some way reflective of stories that people submitted through our survey. They are so, I cannot wait for people to read the stories that have been trusted to us. And again, that's such a huge act of trust to talk about your vulnerable childhoods, you know, trust that will make something good out of it, something beautiful, and then to share that with other people as well. Um, So we're really just hoping that we can communicate just the beauty and the rainbow of stories that people shared with us. Yeah. Um, On Saturday, this is going to be a whole event, right? So there's the exhibit, there's there's the the dream house, there's the centerpiece. And then there's like all these other elements too. Um, we, we can't get into everything and we hope that y'all will go <laughs> and really actually experience everything. But um, I want to focus on some of the, the tangible elements, the zine, the coloring book. Can you get into those, those kind of interactive, touchy things? Absolutely. Um, again, because... This is an exhibition that was geared in mind, not just for the adult community, but we do want to get more young people into Gerberhardt as well. So some of these elements were designed specifically with future younger audiences in mind. So Ren actually did the coloring pages. So I actually just asked her, I love your Barbie photography. Would it be okay if we turned these these photographs into possibly coloring pages? Maybe there's a program we can do. And she was like, oh, I'll see what I can do. And within that day, she had created five coloring pages. <laughs> and they were such a hit Ren. at the Logan Theater pop-up. <laughs> the zine cover is also Ren's design. Um, and the zine I'll talk a little bit about. Um, but it is a way for us to showcase, again, some more of the long-form stories that I did not want to split up. But I really wanted like people to really read and think about. Yeah. So the zine is designed like a middle school diary. And <laughs> I want to encourage people to add stickers to it, to write in it. There's a page specifically for autographs. If you want to have your go with your friends and you want to have them sign a little note in your zine, it's a take like a take homeable wow. <laughs> artifact so from the exhibit itself. Um, also, it's just good to have a designated place to put fun stickers. Also, I'm mm-hmm. I'm a person I don't know where to put my stickers. So those are just <laughs> first of all, you're a person with stickers. <laughs> <laughs> Secondly, you're a person who needs a place to put them. Got you exactly. It's, the, the permanence of the stickers is hard. So we're like we not only have stickers at the event itself, um, but we have a place for you to put them. You, the guesswork is gone. Yes. And there's an adult element to this as well, right? Yes. Um, so we have um, the wonderful um, Nat Glitter King, Nat in Madrid, who will be speaking, giving an artist talk at this event about how Barbie specifically has informed her adult work in her um, kink and fetish content. So she's got really incredible stuff on her Instagram page. I cannot wait to hear what she has to share about how, again, the material artifacts of your childhood inform the adult self. I was taken in by the fact that some of the dollhouses that she uses in her photography are the same ones I had as a child. Yeah. So there's that recognition. <laughs> and I hope that people can identify with those physical elements. The material culture of Barbie, we can't escape it. And this also just isn't Barbie as well. There's We got all doll representation. Okay, we got all Polly doll Hopkins, representation. Okay. Joe. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Um, Ren, what has it been like contributing to this project where, you know, your work will be 
and has already been right. There's ph- photography of your work out in the in the ads in, in uh, public space for this already. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. What has it been like working on this where your your work is more public? It's been like a bit of a jump for me um, mm-hmm. going from it. It was kind of like a private thing that I kept like between like me and like, you know, like my close friends who I trusted would be like, no, there's nothing weird with like collecting toys. Um, <laughs> but it's honestly like the reception has been really great because it's like, every, I think that this like Barbie movement of like the movie coming out and like everyone just kind of embracing that, that it's okay to like play and like be childlike sometimes. Yeah. Um, it's a, been a, overwhelming, but really great. <laughs> just to like hear other people also talk about their experiences like playing and like mm-hmm. even just like to also be excited about like oh my gosh like I had that doll or like one of the monster high dolls is non-binary and like that's kind of what got me started back into like actual collecting okay so it's just very cool to like be able to share this part of myself with other people and for it to be received so well <laughs> Barbie as a brand um, is obviously very resonant. People came from out of the woodworks to contribute to this, <laughs> um, but it's not perfect. Right. And reinforces it reinforces very, you know, uh, heteronormative gender and sexuality norms and stereotypes, unrealistic body norms. Um, mm-hmm. Y'all are subverting some of that with a dream house of our own. I wonder what it has meant to you to work on this, given all of that context. Um, Olivia, why don't you start? Yeah, I think that when you, when at the core of it, what is, what is a dream house, right? It is a place for your dreams and it's a place where you can be subversive. Now that we have this space to create a specifically queer Barbie dream house, we are subjecting the notion that dolls are supposed to model the nuclear family or that again, a lot of times they're very white, very hyper feminine, um, the masculine dolls are very can be very violent sometimes. GI mm-hmm. Joes or action figures. Um, so to have a space then to create an ideal house, a house of our dreams. And again, I dream of owning a house one day. <laughs> we are, all of us um, in our <laughs> mid late twenties will that ever happen? So again, having a space <laughs> to decorate a place. What would a queer dream house look like? What does the furniture look like? What's on the mm. walls? What kind of music are they listening to? We were cutting out little vinyls yesterday to de- decorate the rooms or the movie posters. Like, um, there's a lot that's been very thoughtfully curated. So Ren, of course, choosing some of the music that the Barbies would be listening to or some of the photographs and mm-hmm. other elements as well. Mm-hmm. So building from scratch, what would the, again, it's not a utopia, but it's bigger than ever before. And I'm hoping that people can see themselves in it, at least in some elements. Yeah. Oh, there's a lot to represent for sure. Um, Ren, yeah. How would you talk about what it is meant to work on this, given the the norms mm-hmm. that are really usually enforced and, and subverting those? Yeah, it's as I like have become more a part of like the doll community and like learn more about Barbie history. Um, I always felt like I had a pretty big knowledge of like, OK, like impact history, what it's become. Um and like as a personal doll collector, like I don't collect the like collector dolls. I collect if I see a doll that I think is really pretty, I want it and it's mine. <laughs> um, and that's kind of 
how I go about it. And so I think that like how I, I have my own kind of like shelf in my room that it is like my miniature kind of dream house. That's like almost like a small version of what we've created. I'm able to pick and choose what dolls I can put in there. And um, Mattel, I think 2016 is when they started making the more diverse body shapes. Um, mm. So like there's petite dolls, like I have Barbies that are slightly shorter, some that are really tall um, and even the curvy dolls. And so it's one of those things where it's like, I understand the impact that Mattel did have on a lot of people's growing up and like how that might've impacted how they feel about themselves. And I'm glad that they're trying to make a change. Like, I feel like they did finally be like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe all these dolls were <laughs> very, very skinny and very white and very blonde. <laughs> maybe we should do something. Yeah. Um, and so they're making very small strides, but because I get to choose who goes in this dream house and who goes in the museum dream house, it's like fun to be able to have a bit of everything and you know, like putting the Ken's clothes on the Barbies and just, it's, it's nice to think about and nice to be able to explore. Ren Lively is the photographer and supporting artist for a dream house of our own. And Olivia de Kaiser is the curator for the exhibit. To learn more about a dream house of our own and the opening event this weekend, head to gerberhart.org. That's G-E-R-B-E-R-H-A-R-T.org. And that's it for today. Sarah Stark produced this episode and Ariel Van Cleve edited. Our theme music is by Louis Weeks. The Rundown is produced by WBEZ Chicago and is part of the NPR Network. If you love The Rundown, please rate and review us. It helps more people find the show. I'm Justin Bull, in for Aaron Allen. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk with you tomorrow. 